Acts, the second chapter. Acts is in the New Testament. Should be the fifth book in the New Testament. The Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. And we're going to begin with verse number 40. And we find these words. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added. Somebody say added to them. And they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. In the breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possession and good, and divided them among all, as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added, somebody say added, to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. Just want to talk from the subject, value the fellowship. Value the fellowship. Value the fellowship. The other week, Pastor Pumphrey and I think Sister Persia and I were just talking about the state of some things in our society, state of our youth in particular, and the troubles that they're, that they're facing in their lives. And, you know, I, I love young people. I care much about young people. And I'm saddened when I see some of what I see. And little after that, he sent me an article that he ran across, and he was like, this is kind of refers to what I was talking about. And the article was called A Silent Tragedy by Dr. Louis Marcos, and it talked about children in devastating emotional state, that are children in a crisis state emotionally. And he went on to talk about how one in five have mental health problems. That's 20%. One in five of our young people have mental health problems, and there's a 43% increase in ADHD has been noted. I know I'm a little off the chain. I tell my wife they'd probably have labeled me back in the day. Uh, seriously, they probably would have labeled me. But 43% increase in ADD. That's almost half. 200% increase in suicide rate in children aged 10 to 14. 200% increase in suicide rate of people who haven't even reached the age of 15 years old yet, um, deciding to exit this life. <clears throat> and he goes on to talk about how children are overstimulated. Yeah. <laughs> children are overstimulated. Overstimulated. And he says that they're overgifted with material objects. They got everything, every J's, every KD's, PS4, <laughs> Xbox, not one or the other, they got both. <laughs> you got an iPhone 8, they got an iPhone 10 or 11. Come on in here. <laughs> They're overgifted with material objects, but are deprived of the fundamentals of healthy childhood. Things such as present and emotionally available parents. They don't have that. They don't have clearly defined limits. Nobody there to say, no, nah, you can't do that. They don't have responsibilities. They have all the things, but they don't have fellowship. Yeah. 
they don't have relationship. And here we are, December 1st. This is Advent season. Our church doesn't typically formally celebrate Advent, but Advent was the anticipation of the coming of Christ. And it goes from December 1st to December 24th. And for 2,000 years plus since the promise of the Messiah, there were people who were waiting for Jesus to come, waiting for the Messiah to come. 2,000, can you imagine that? 2,000 years waiting for the Messiah to come. Uh, this was the first time. And we are in another Advent. We're in the second Advent because I'm waiting for him to return. Come on. It may not seem like he's coming, but trust me, he's coming. I still believe he is coming back for his church without a spot or wrinkle. We shall see him. Come on and hear somebody. because We'll be like him, but we'll see him as he is. I still believe that he's coming. And if for 2,000 years, people were waiting for him to come the first time. But the question I always love to ask is, why did Jesus come in the first place? <laughs> See, why did he come in the first place? John 12 says, Jesus said, if any man hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge them. For I did not come to judge the world, but I came to save the world. Jesus came to save the world. We know that, right? We've heard that said. And we say Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We teach our children that, right? That Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And that is absolutely true. But it, it doesn't stop there. He died on the cross for our sins so that he could restore fellowship with God and each other. Right? The, the reason why he did that, the reason why he died, the reason why we need to be saved, because fellowship was broken. So Christ came to restore fellowship with God, and not just restore fellowship with God, but to restore fellowship with each other. Stick with me for a little bit. We don't need to be overstimulated with a bunch of hype. Come on in here. We don't need a bunch of hype. We don't need a bunch of material things. If we really want to see things in life improve, we need to value the fellowship that Christ has won for us. <laughs> We need to understand that we have a present and emotionally available God. Hallelujah. That all times 24-7, he's emotionally and presently available to us. And not only that we have an available God, but we've got an available church. Come on here. That there's other people that are available to us as well. We got to have clearly defined limits. That's why we got the Bible. That's what we got the apostles' doctrine for. There's some things that we should do, and there's some things that we should not do. Come on and hear somebody. We have responsibilities. Somebody say responsibilities everybody's valuable. We all have responsibilities. And so if we're going to be a winning fellowship, we got to value the fellowship that God has given us. And in, cha in the chapter of Acts chapter 2, we look at the book of Acts and we know that Luke is writing about the Acts of the Apostles and particularly Peter and Paul. And we know in chapter 1, Jesus had come and that he is getting ready to leave and he promises to give the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says in chapter 1 that Jesus was taken away and he was departed. But at the end of, of chapter 1, the Bible said that there were 12 apostles, but Judas betrayed Jesus. This is review. But Judas betrayed Jesus. And so now instead of having 12, there were 11. And so they had, uh, they said, God, you know, who's to replace this 12th? So why did they want to replace him in the first place? Because when somebody's missing, it seems like something's absent, right? See, and so it's only that the fellowship would not be broken. They, they brought somebody back into the fellowship. They added, right? to the fellowship because they realized that something was missing. There should be 12 of us, but there's only 11. So they added back to the fellowship Matthias. But just watch this. And then the Holy Spirit came in chapter 2, and the Holy Spirit came and gave power to be a witness. Power to be a witness for Christ and his kingdom. The Bible says that 3,000 people got saved in this revival when the Holy Spirit came. 3,000 people got saved and believed. And, and this is where we say the church was born. And the Bible said that they were dedicated to the apostles' doctrine. See, they were dedicated not to just the theology in their head, but to, to the behavior of what they were doing. They were dedicated to the, 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 the doctrine. They were also dedicated to prayer, right? Not just now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with that. But they were praying for some power. They were praying for some presence. They were praying for some boldness. They were praying for God to do some things, right? So they were dedicated to prayer. Then they were also dedicated to breaking of bread. And we'll talk about that another time. But we talk about today, they were dedicated to something called fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. One of the fine fellowship here as we teach, it comes from the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia, which means participation in Participation in relationship, 
partnership, companionship, and stewardship. Participation in, not watching, but participation in relationship, partnership, companionship, and stewardship. We got that? So we're going to talk about the first two today is relationship and partnership, but I want us to have that definition. Fellowship is participation in. Other words are intercourse. That's one of the words that comes there for it. Communion is another word that, that's there. But it's participation in, not watching. Okay, not observing. But participation in. See, coming to church is important. Let's just stop here for a minute. Coming to church is important. See, in today's world, we think that coming to church is not important. Anybody know people like that? You don't have to go to church to have a relationship with Jesus. <laughs> that is an absolutely true statement. You don't have to come to church to know Jesus. You'll suffer if you don't, but that's a different... <laughs> See? Come on now. And I got Bible for it. You don't have to come to church to know Jesus. You can be spiritual and not know Jesus. Okay? But you don't have to be at church to even be saved. You can be saved and not come to church. But coming to church is important. If the Bible says in verse 46 that they continued in the, in the apostles' doctrine, they came to the church daily. Now, at this time, they went to church every day. Now, we don't have to come to church every day. We have church typically once a week, twice a week at best. But the point is that they valued the time that they had together. Are you following? They valued that. Hebrews 10, 24 says this, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. In other words, he said, you've got to think about your brother and your sister, and you've got to gather to encourage them to love and good works. See, it's hard to consider me if you're not here. Correct? Ask a child whose parent's not there. They'll tell you. <laughs> it's hard to consider them if you're not present. Fellowship is not about you, and fellowship is not about me. Fellowship is about you and me. It is about us. So that's the difference. So sometimes we don't go to church because I don't feel like I need to. But that's about who? That's about me. <laughs> See the difference? Fellowship is about us. Attending a church service is not the same as being part of the fellowship of the church. See, there's a difference. Attending a church service is not the same as being a part of the fellowship of the church. You can go to church, why? Because you love the music. <laughs> right? They hot. The band's hot. Singers are hot. You see what I'm saying? They be, they be rocking up in that joint. You know what I'm saying? You can love the church. I love the service, right? You may even like the preacher. You may like the preaching. He's spot on. I'm learning from him. That's great. That's not the same thing as being in the fellowship, right? You can observe all that. But are you participating in the relationship, in the partnership? See, it's different. Are we just going to clarify? Being present helps facilitate fellowship. Being present helps facilitate fellowship. That's why when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, you see it in Acts chapter 2, he sent the Holy Spirit for a reason. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon people. The Holy Spirit would visit you. Just like some people are visiting you now. <laughs> and some of y'all are like, I'm ready for them to leave already. <laughs> visiting you. Holy Spirit would visit and empower you for a work. But it was no longer about visiting. The Holy Spirit came to abide, to stay, to fellowship, just like Jesus. Jesus said, I'm getting ready to leave, but I don't want you to feel like you're alone. You see what I'm saying? See, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you me in a different form. Basically, I'm going to give you me. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to come to be with you so that you don't feel like there's something missing because there's nothing missing. I'm right here. See what I'm saying? So even though I'm going away, 
I'm going to send, ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to come, and he's going to fellowship with you. He's going to be in this thing with you. He's going to be a partaker in this thing with you so that you don't feel alone. See, that's why the Bible teaches that we have fellowship with the Spirit. So what I'm saying is that we have fellowship with God. John 17, Jesus says, I in them and you in me. And so if Jesus is in us and God is in us, that means that we have fellowship with God, we have fellowship with the Son, Jesus, and we have fellowship with the Spirit. Does that make sense? Somebody say fellowship. We have fellowship with God. Now, what makes this special is that is our relationship in Jesus Christ. Our relationship with Christ is the foundation of fellowship. Bible says, be not unequally yoked. Anybody heard that before? Sometimes we wrestle with that. I mean, can I, can I marry an unsaved person? Y'all quiet today, I know. Y'all not going to work with me, that's all right. I'm still teach as best I can. Bless my heart. Huh? Be not unequally yoked. That's what the Bible says, and we throw that term around. But, but what is he, is he really saying? He's saying that, yes, you should be connected, not just in marriage, but you should be connected with the believer. Because you're in Christ. Right? You may have a yoke, but somebody else has a different yoke. Where y'all going? This is, what, <laughs> this is what he's saying. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. There's Christ's yoke. But there's some other yokes. Jesus said, you can't serve God and money. You know what he said? He did. He said, you're either going to love one and hate the other. Right? But you can't serve both. If you yoke with somebody that serves money, and you're trying to serve God, who's pulling the strings here? <laughs> Can they, uh, can they understand who, who's pulling your strings? You see, see, we should never really split because if we're both yoked by God, right, we, all gotta do, we just got to go to God. Not, <laughs> right? If I'm in him and you're in him, right, God can't be pulling you one way and pulling me another. Help me. Am I, am I, not, am I right? <laughs> so, so even if we got some things that we're working through, God should be able to pull, up, pull us together because we're both in him. That's what he's talking about, being unequally yoked. He's like, you don't need to be unequally yoked with people who are not yoked to Christ because you're not both in God. See, what makes this special is that our life is in Christ. I love you because you're in him. <laughs> That's why we're here. That's what makes this special. We're not a cult. It's not about being a cult. <laughs> but we got to understand that, that this is special. You see what I'm saying? This, this is unique. We are in Christ. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Jesus, right? That means we, I got an inheritance, but you got an inheritance. You got the same inheritance as me. Right? I mean, you're getting a piece of the pie just like I am. So whenever there's, there's a, an estate, you know, people who are going to receive out this estate, they're there. Come on now. If you was getting money out of state, you'd be right there, wouldn't you? <laughs> you'd be there early, half hour early, waiting for the judge or the lawyer to say what you're going to get. Right? But we're all going to get something because we're all in Christ. <laughs> because we're all in the same thing together. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's my brother. Because we're in Christ. Some of y'all like, got more than one brother or sister? You may be closer to one brother or sister than another. That's just true. Come on, you don't, you don't got to act like that's not true. It's true. But they're still your brother or sister, right? Whether you're closer to them or not. Right? And even if they rob somebody, guess what? They're still your brother. If they kill somebody, guess what? They're still your brother. It don't change. <laughs> this is get good. I'm just trying to teach. Just, just stay with me. 
This is what makes this important. This is not a show. This is not a weekly production. Come on now. I'm here with my brothers and my sisters. I'm here with my joint. I'm here with people I'm in a relationship with. I'm here with people I care about that are, have the same yoke as me. Right? Make sense? That's why Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Why did he say that? Because I'm in it with you. you. We go up, we go down. <laughs> we in this thing. You see what I'm saying? I'm with you. You in the club, I'm in the club. <laughs> you in the bed, I'm in the bed. Come on, church. Why is he? I, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I am right there. You drunk, I'm drunk. I'm, I'm right there with you. <laughs> he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. It, it wasn't, he wasn't visiting. You see what I'm saying? He ain't come to visit. He's in fellowship. He's in participation. He's not, he's not spectating. God's not watching what we're doing. He's in us with what we're doing. He's right here. It's participation in this relationship. <laughs> That's why I love Romans 8 and 31. This is where it gives. He said, if God be for us, who can be against us? I love that. He said, if God is for us, first part, God is for me. <laughs> did, you, did you get that? It says God of all creation is for us. Because it didn't say if God be for me, he said if God be for us. So who's that us? Us is the believer, right? Us is those who are in the fellowship. Us is all of us, right? Who are, are, are in Christ Jesus. God is for us. Some of are not getting that. See, God is actually for us. That means he's on our side. That means we got the big joker. That means we're going to win the game. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We got all power on our side. We got all wisdom on our side. We got all authority on our side. <laughs> Some of y'all still not getting that. That means we have God on our side. He is for us. So what he does is for us, for us to actually prosper, for us to actually move forward, for us to benefit from, for us to have victory. And he is for us. But the key is that not only is he for us, we should also be for us. Did you get that? So if he's for us, we should be for us. The great thing about true fellowship is that you don't have to encourage yourself by yourself all the time. But you got some people who are actually for you. See, that's what the world needs is people who are actually for them. Too many young people grow up with people that aren't for them. They may be with them, but not for them. They never show up at a basketball game. They don't show up at a play. They don't show up at back to school night. They don't show up. Are you actually for them? See, but true fellowship is I'm for you. <laughs> Come on in here, somebody. Somebody needs to know that you got people in Christ that are actually for you. When you see your brother and sister in Christ in Sunday school, you ought to say, sister, I'm for you. When you have prayer meeting, when a brother's praying for something, you say, brother, I am for you. Whether they're up or whether they're down, you got to know that somebody is for you. <laughs> we are in Christ together, and I'm for you. I'm for your prosperity. I'm for your health. I'm for the investments of your family. I'm for your financial breakthrough. I am for you. I want to celebrate you. I want to see you go up. I want to see you go to the next level because I am for you. God is for you. I am for you because he and me and I and him, then that means you're with, you're with me. So therefore, I'm for you. If I'm against you, how can I? I'm against my own self. See, the church has fellowship. See, the world don't act like that. The world is with you when you're for what they're for. But as soon as you deviate from what they're for, they're gone. <laughs> Come on here. When you was high, when you was buying all the weed, they were with you. But when you stop getting high, stop buying, they're gone. They find the next sucker. A fake relationship with. Come on in here. You know how many fake relationships there are? 
Come on, y'all acting like you've been saved your whole life. You've been in a lot of dating fake relationships. He was with you for a reason. But when that reason went away, he was gone. Come on, y'all looking too saved. They've been saved too long. I need some folk who know what I'm talking about. Huh? <laughs> Fellowship is relationship, and it means for you. <laughs> I tell people this all the time. Who you marry is the second most important decision you will ever make. The quality of your life will greatly depend on who you marry. <laughs> Outside of choosing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the second most important decision you ever make was who you marry. You better marry somebody that you are friends with. Not that I love you, I actually like you. There's a difference. We can watch TV, we can laugh, we can go bowling with, I actually like you. See, a friend has no purpose outside of being your friend. So if they can't be your friend, Come on in here. <laughs> when life ain't going good, you better have a friend. Because I ain't always going to be feeling you. But when we friends, come on now. You got to be committed to them. You got to love them. You got to be committed to them. You know, it's got to be somebody you willing to love. Right? I got to love you. Come on now. <laughs> I got to love you too. I got to love you. And the third thing I always remind young couples of, listen, you got you to marry a partner because it's about partnership. Come on. Chicken don't clean itself. The grass don't cut itself. Bills don't pay themselves. Oil don't get changed by itself. People, the kids aren't going to get picked up unless somebody pick them up. Somebody got to take them to dance class. <laughs> I don't care how good looking you are. If you don't get off your butt and can't do something, come on now. If you can't fold some clothes or, or dust or vacuum or, or, or pay a bill or, come on now, if you can't run to the store or giant safe, well, I don't care. If you, just, if, you can, if you can't do nothing and you can't partner with me, then I don't care how good looking you are. This ain't going to work. Bruh, man, hungry. Come on. You can't. Can we make some pancakes or something? Can something happen? Partnership. Jesus came to restore fellowship between man and God. We know he died on the cross for our sin, but he died because brokenness Fellowship had been broken, and broken fellowship is a sign of death. Broken fellowship is a sign of death. 1 Corinthians 7, we talked about husband and wife. He says that a husband and wife should have fellowship. If you know what I'm talking about. Husband and wife should have fellowship so that Satan doesn't come to tempt them. Did you hear that? A husband and wife should have fellowship frequently. Come on now, this is real church. I'm, I'm keeping it real. This is what this Bible, I'm not making this up. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This is exactly what he says. That you ought to have fellowship frequently and only not have fellowship but fasting and praying. 
by agreement that you come back together so that Satan doesn't divide you. See? Because when there's no fellowship, things will go this way. Come on in here. If your husband's not asking you for some fellowship, I wish I had a real church that's going to keep it real. See? Where is he fellowshipping? Where is he fellowshipping? It's Bible. See, and when fellowshipping is not happening, it's a sign that something wrong. You can't come together for whatever that reason is. It's a sign that something's broken. But when fellowship is broken, the work and the partnership suffers. Yes. Let's go back into the garden in Genesis. When Adam and Eve sinned, fellowship with God was broken. God had told Adam, he made man, he said, you need to have dominion over the earth, dominion over the fish, dominion over everything on the earth, because that's the authority that I've given you. That's your assignment. But when fellowship was broken in sin, man could no longer complete his assignment. That's why things have dominion over us. And we don't even have dominion over our own lives. We shouldn't have believers saying, my life is spinning out of control. God gave us dominion over the life that we have. So why is our life spinning out of control? Yeah. See, we couldn't do what God called us to do because fellowship had been broken. And when fellowship is broken, the work suffers, partnership suffers. That's why Jesus asked Peter in John chapter 21, when Peter denied Jesus three times, said, I don't know the man. He started cussing, I don't know the man. But after Jesus rose from the dead and he was living, he, said, he says to Peter, Peter, come here. Do you love me more than these? He asked him this three times. And then three times he said, yes, Lord, you know I love thee. Then he said, what? Feed my sheep. In other words, that I'm restoring you back to fellowship. Now get back to doing what I've called you to do. You see? <laughs> He didn't just give him a high, high, then kiss up and make up. No, no. Do what I've asked you to do because you have the power to do it because fellowship has been restored. See, I can be who God's called me to be when there's fellowship. Partnership is the means of fellowship. I'm getting ready to come in. Partnership is the means of fellowship. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, for we are God's fellow workers. Philippians 1 and 5 says, he, Paul says, I thank God for the, for the fellowship in the gospel unto this day and to now. In other words, we're co-partners in his enterprise on earth. We're co-partners. We got to do two things. We got to promote the gospel of the kingdom and we got to build up the believer. So not only is this a, a, a meeting of people who are in relationship together, this is also a business meeting. Wow. <laughs> See that? We're, we're partners in this thing. You ever have a business and you don't meet with your partners? Who does that? <laughs> who does that? See, so it, this is not just <laughs> a flimsy thing, but we're here together in partnership. How are we doing? We're promoting the kingdom. How are we doing with building the believer? That's what this is about. And we play different roles, but we're in the same enterprise. That's why in Galatians, Paul says, they, they being Peter, James, and John, they gave Barnabas and I the right hand of fellowship. Meaning that they accepted us as being in Christ and that we had a, a work that we had from God. Yes, they went to the Jews, and we were going to the Gentiles, two different places, but we were all in this together. That's why they gave them the right hand of fellowship. So we, that's why when we have that service, that's what that means. We accept people into the fellowship. You're in relationship with God, and you're a part of what we're doing. Right hand of fellowship. Here's the major point. More work can be done when the partnership or fellowship is strong. More can be done 
when the partnership and fellowship is strong. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Does anybody believe that, that two better than one? See, this is what Bob says. He says two are better than one because they, not one, but they have a good reward for their labor. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as, I, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That's a powerful statement. Sometimes we're not sharp. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sometimes we're dull in, in our effectiveness and what we're doing. But is it possible because we're not sharpening each other that we're dull? I love Pastor John Jenkins. He came to the church and he tells this story all the time. How, you know, he married his wife, wife Trina Jenkins, for a long time. But she was dating him. And she used to date some other guy. I don't know if y'all remember the story when he came. He dated, she dated some other guy. And they ran into him years later. And he looked all jacked up and broke up. You know, and here he is, John Jenkins, pastor of the largest church in Maryland, right? And he says to her, you know, honey, aren't you glad you married me instead of that joker? <laughs> and she said, yo, I am. But if I would have married him, he would have been the pastor of First Baptist Church. <laughs> <laughs> You see, because we got to realize you ain't going to get there by yourself. Sometimes we just not that sharp to get to where we need to be. Come on, let's be humble in here. Your wife will sharpen you. Talk to me, somebody. Your wife will have you looking good, have you thinking good, have you thinking through some things. Come on in here. So you, you, you was going to do something stupid. <laughs> you were going gonna to make the wrong move, but then she had to say something to you and let you see a, another perspective so that you could actually do the right thing. Come on in here, somebody. And it goes the opposite way, too, sometimes. Come on, wife. Sometimes you got to let your husband wash you with the word. <laughs> so you see, your attitude was a little hot, you know. You was a little feisty. See, you was about to boop, 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 boop. But, 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 but he had to wash you with the word, you know, encourage you in something so that you didn't go off and say something and start tripping in a place you didn't need to start doing it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we got to realize that we got to sharpen one another. But if you don't have fellowship, there's nobody to sharpen you. So you're dull. That's why sometimes we're ineffective because we're dull. We don't have somebody to sharpen us. But when we understand fellowship, that we can get to the next level. Come on in here, somebody. That when I have the right partners, we can get to the next level. When you're hooked up with the right people, it can take you from here to hear because you got the right people that are for you that are working to see that you be who our God has called you to be that's why you can succeed yes 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 even with our young people it's the, the, all the stats can say what they want to the reality is our young people struggle because there aren't people for them if they had people that were actually for them helping to sharpen them helping them to, to do their homework helping them to make sure that they're on task they could go higher and further if they had the right partnership if they had fellowship 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 I love Deuteronomy 32. He says, how can one chase a thousand <laughs> and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them? In other words, he's saying this, it's God who makes it possible for things to happen. Watch. If, we got to accept that. If God ain't on our side, ain't nothing going to happen anyway. I don't care who you are. <laughs> when God is on our side, all things are possible. But then he goes on to say, one put a thousand to flight, but two ten thousand. But why isn't two two thousand? Thousand each. You see, there's something powerful when people hook up. You see what I'm saying? And work together in partnership to make something happen. One of us can chase a thousand demons out of here. Two of us. <laughs> two of us could chase ten thousand up out of here. One of us can see ministry happen at this level, but two of us can see it happen at this level. Are you seeing what I'm saying? It's when people come together in agreement. How can people walk unless they agree? But if we come together in partnership, <laughs> a lot can happen. See, when you get married, you didn't get married to be by yourself. And you shouldn't have married a slave. You'll get that tomorrow. He or she not there just to cook and clean. That's, that, wow. that, that's not what you married him for. 
You ought to be conquering the world together. Come on in here, married couples. You ought to be conquering this world together. You ought to be overcoming obstacles together. You ought to be building together. You ought to be building financial equity together. You ought to be building social equity together. You ought to be building ministry equity together. You should be working together. One of you by yourself is by yourself, but together there's nothing that you can't overcome. You may have obstacles, but you can overcome because you're working together. If you fall, she's there to pick you up. If you stumble, he's there to pick you up. Working together in partnership, in fellowship. That's a powerful thing, and we at the church got to understand that there's something about us being together. Jesus died so that we can have fellowship with him. But the key thing is he also didn't just leave us with fellowship with him. He gave us fellowship with each other. And I love getting to the end of the text because it says that a church that's winning, a church that's doing what I'm talking about, had simplicity of heart or gladness of heart. In other words, they had joy. And I I just love reviewing because you see it. When you're working together, joy comes. And joy is not just for yourself. Anybody ever got a a promotion on their job or whatever, and you were just so happy and joyous on the inside? But you wanted to go home and call a friend or something to tell somebody else. You don't want to just share that joy by yourself. You want to share that joy with somebody else. We got to realize that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is to be eaten of, not from yourself, but from other people. When you've got joy in your heart, other people interact with you and they experience joy. They taste joy because it's a fruit that they can eat thereof. Joy by itself is great, but joy in fellowship is so much better. When you got people that got joy around you, you can eat of joy. You don't have to eat of sorrow and brokenness and of despair, but I come to the house of God. I want somebody that's got some joy on the inside. I come to the house of God. I want somebody that's got some joy and gladness, oh God, that I can eat thereof and be encouraged to go to the next level in my own life. Joy is best shared when it's shared with somebody else. How many know that prayer is great? You got to go into your prayer closet by yourself. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got to get in your closet by yourself and go before the Lord and intercede on behalf of yourself. God, I need a blessing. God, I need you to show up. But it's also powerful when you can hook up with somebody else that knows Jesus. I ain't talking about somebody else that don't know the Lord. I'm talking about somebody that knows Jesus. Because he said in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. So when you start praying together, something even powerful begins to happen. You can say, we've been praying. We've been fasting. Heaven, send the rain. And when you pray together, powerful things happen, not just by myself, but within the life of the fellowship. Come on in here, somebody. How many know that praise is good? I love to praise God by myself. You got to realize you got to praise God when you're cleaning at home with the vacuum cleaner. You got to praise God when you're cleaning off the chicken, trying to get the stuff off so your wife don't complain. You got to praise God when you're cutting the grass. You got to praise God when you're shooting the basketball. You better praise God at all times because that's what the Bible says. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Praise is a weapon for the believer. And the Bible says that when you have this, praise begins to show up. When true fellowship praise begins to show up. But I'm not trying to praise God by myself. I want to praise God with other people. You know what I'm talking about. When you have a soloist, I think that's wonderful. You hear somebody sing like an angel. But when you got a couple people singing together, they can have some three-part harmony. You know what I'm talking about. But when you get a big mass choir, anybody have a mass choir? When you got a hundred people just lined up singing together, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Somebody says, the Lord God is my rock. He is the hope of my salvation. Somebody over here says, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When the choir starts to sing, it's not just one person praising. There's a whole lot of folk praising. Everybody's voice is lifted, and something happens within the fellowship. That's how heaven is. Some angels say, holy, holy. The other angels say, holy, holy. These angels say, holy, holy. These angels say, holy, holy. These angels say, worthy is the Lamb. These angels say, worthy. You see what I'm saying? Because there's a fellowship when praise starts to go forth.
There's something about the fellowship because you can't get this anyplace else. You can't just go to your job and start saying, holy, holy. They don't know what you're talking about. But when you come up in the church, you say, God, you're worthy. I say, oh, yes, he is. You see what I'm saying? Because I know what you mean. I know the language you're talking. God, I magnify. Yeah, I got you. God, I praise you. I got you. God, you're good. Yeah, I got you because he's been good to me too. We might as well just go ahead and celebrate together. I don't got to let you celebrate by yourself. I'll celebrate God with you because he's making a way. You can't get this anyplace else. You can only get that in the church. There's no counterfeit for what God has in the fellowship. You can't get it anyplace else. It's one-stop shopping. I tell husbands this all the time. Do not put down your wife, her body, her sexuality in any way, shape, or form. That's a foolish mistake. Because she's where your cooking going to happen. Come on in here. It's one-stop shopping. That's your fellowship. Don't put down your fellowship. You need to value your fellowship because that's the fellowship God has given you. I got to go. But there's one last thing I see in there. The Bible says and that he added to the church daily. You see, you can't add to something that's broken. Because if you do, you're just going to lose it. God doesn't add until fellowship has been restored. I don't know about you, but I want God to add some things in my life. <laughs> if you want God to add some things in your life, if you want God to add some things in your family, if you want God to add to your church, you've got to value the fellowship. Because when you value the fellowship, then you know addition's about to come. When fellowship is valued, that means God's getting ready to add. When people are in lockstep, that means God's getting ready to do something. When people can come together on one accord in fellowship, in relationship, in partnership, then you know that God's getting ready to add to his church. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God's going to add to me. God's going to add some blessings in my life. Not just material blessing but some spiritual blessing. There's some more anointing that's coming because God's going to add it to it because our fellowship is good. See, God's going to add some knowledge to my life. Some biblical understanding. Why? Because our fellowship is good. And when you value the fellowship, God will bless your marriage if you value the fellowship. God will bless your family if you value the fellowship. God will bless your church if you value the fellowship. If you value what God has given you, God's going to add to to the church. Come on and stand on your feet. Value the fellowship. Tell your neighbor, value the fellowship. Value the fellowship. Tell your other neighbor, value the fellowship. Tell somebody else, value the fellowship. I want to do two quick things. There's some people in this room that you still need to know that A, God is for you, and B, that yes, literally, there are people in human bodies that are still for you. You've been walking around thinking that there's no way possible that somebody in skin and flesh is for you. Because of the hell you've been through. God said he's canceling that assignment and he's turning that lie. And I want you to experience the truth today. If that's you, I want to pray for you right at this altar. If that's you, don't be everybody. I'm not looking for everybody. If that is you, you've been buying this lie that there's not a person on this earth that is actually for me.
Everybody praying. Is everybody praying? Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for truth. God, your word is true. If God be for us and there's an us, who can be against us? Father, I pray for my sister right now in the name of Jesus that your presence, God, be so strong in her life that she's assured that you are for her. I thank you right now in Jesus' name that she knows without a shadow of a doubt that you are for her. Oh, God, and I thank you, God, in Jesus' name that you're stirring up the hearts of people in the fellowship that would know that we are for her. God, I thank you in Jesus' name, God, that you've called for us to be one in, in each other, oh God, to be partners in relationship. And I thank you right now in Jesus' name. The assignment of the devil is canceled right now in Jesus' name, that no weapon formed against her shall prosper. God, I thank you that there's fellowship with her. She's loved. She's valued. She's appreciated, God. She's gifted for who she called her to be. God, I thank you in Jesus' name that we are for her too. And God, we bless you for that in the name of Jesus. God, let that rehearse in her mind and in her heart. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Give God praise. Give him honor. Somebody here that does not know the Lord Jesus, we're almost through, but we don't want to leave this time and space without giving you the opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus. Is there somebody here that's not saved? You haven't confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You haven't said, God, I'm far from you. But I realize that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for me. You took my sin so that I could be in fellowship with God. Somebody here needs fellowship of Jesus Christ. Is there one who wants to give their life to the Lord? Everybody praying. Is there somebody that wants to give their life to the Lord?